0: Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. COPD, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a serious condition that can make you sometimes feel like you're breathing through a straw. It can be very uncomfortable, make you feel like you can't get air out of your body, but also can't get more in. And it can be a very serious condition that affects people in a variety of different areas of their body. Today, we're going to be talking about how do you get more information? Well... We have got Maya Alba. She is a nurse practitioner with the Straub Lung Center, and she is going to be joined by Valerie Chang, who is the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And we're talking today about how we can go ahead and help people to learn more about their breathing, learn more about what's abnormal, find out if they might or their loved one might have COPD, and what sort of great resources are out there to help them. So I want to thank both of you for joining me today on The Body Show. Thank you. Thank you. Val, we've had discussions many a time about this. You are a longtime liver and survivor and doing very well with COPD. But how old were you when you were diagnosed, and, and how did how did that all transpire? I was only about 42, and I
1: just kept waking up unable to breathe. I was really breathless. And my friend said, you know, Val, we're going to keep harassing you until you ask your doctor and get Tested because this is not normal and so they kind of shoved me and so I shoved my doctor and so I went and had a free I mean I went and had a lung test at uh, Queens Medical Center you can get it at almost any medical center it's called a spirometry and then I took the results to my doctor and we tried to figure it out and that was 20 some years ago <laughs> 22 years ago actually
0: And it was pretty surprising when you found out you had COPD. You're not a smoker, no history of this, but your symptoms are something that I think a lot of people have that are fairly common. You know, you just feel like you can't breathe. There's a lot of different conditions that can make people have those symptoms, and that spirometry test test you described helps to distinguish between the different types of problems. So how has this affected you, particularly during COVID times? Because it's really kind of put a damper on some of the activities that you love to do.
1: Yeah, well, I've become a lot more Um, I wear a KF94 mask that I can wear fairly comfortably almost any time I'm in a setting where it's an enclosed setting. Um, And I have stopped traveling temporarily. Um, But the good news, there is a silver lining for me, is I have not had an infection since 2019 of any sort.
0: Yeah, I'll be honest, a lot of folks feel like mask wearing has helped them to avoid all sorts of different respiratory infections that we had just come to accept as kind of a yearly event.
1: Yeah, and it's been wonderful not being sick. And it's like, you know, if I just have to wear a mask and not get sick, and also am able to, with my doctors, reduce my medicine so I have fewer side effects, that is truly the silver lining of all of this.
0: Well, that's quite a lining. And if you just, you know, you're one of those folks that we all want to be careful and help protect because you do have one of those conditions, COPD, that puts you at a higher risk of having complications should you get exposed to and infected with COVID. Now, Maya, tell me some of the basics. COPD, when we talk spirometry, what exactly is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease? And how might somebody be screened and or diagnosed with this?
2: Um, well, we're looking for how well they're actually breathing and being able to exhale. Um, so when there's inflammation in the lungs and a patient tries to exhale and they can't, um, you know, their airflow is limited, we see that on a pulmonary function test. Um, and we then administer medication like an inhaler. Uh, and if they're able to have that function um, reverse. Then we look at it and say, "Okay, mm, looks like asthma." But if we can't reverse it, um, then generally we say, "Okay, it looks more like a, a COPD." Um.
0: So someone might come in with symptoms like, like Valerie mentioned, where she feels as though she was having trouble. She couldn't breathe. Her friends kind of instigated her to go get it checked out and said, "Look, you know, figure this one out with your doctor." So it wouldn't, would it ever be diagnosed in someone who has no symptoms? What if they were doing lung testing for some other reason and they said, I, I don't, I don't feel like I have a problem. They could still potentially, given their history, if they had a long smoking history or family history or certain genetic issues, they could still have it, but not necessarily feel it. But that's pretty rare. Is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the times patients have COPD and they ad- Adjust their activity level so they don't get short of breath they just take less walks or park a little bit closer um, but when we question them a little bit more it turns out actually when they do go up the flight of stairs uh, at a normal pace they are short of breath but because of COPD limiting themselves um, they're only um, going up the stairs like very slowly a couple of steps at a time Um, But then we ask other questions besides shortness of breath, like if they wheeze, if they have chest tightness, if they have a chronic cough. Some patients just say, oh, yeah, that's my regular cough. Um, But a chronic cough is not normal. You shouldn't be coughing every day.
0: So that's an interesting point. You know, that idea of I cough all the time. People think, oh, that's just my regular cough and I feel fine. But that could be something that people need to get investigated. So you mentioned something really curious, and Val, I'm, I'm wondering, when you first got diagnosed and you had said you would wake up and you were having trouble with your breathing, had you limited your life in some way to accommodate for your lung function, maybe without even knowing it?
1: Um, well, when I used to, when we traveled with my kids, my kids are, you know, uh, at the time they were like young preteens, and... When we would go to national parks, they would hike and they would be out of sight because I couldn't walk that fast. And I just thought I was just getting to be a slower and slower hiker and more and more deconditioned because I'm not nearly as active as the kids, right?
0: Sure, I, my absolute
1: friends were able to keep up with them. I was like, ah. oh, this is this is bad. And so, yeah, that was more incentive to get it checked out.
0: So when you realize...
1: As Maya says, you adjust, and you start doing less and less and less, and you don't even realize it.
0: Yeah. When your other friends could keep up, you went, hmm, maybe it's just me. Maybe I need to check. Maybe you need to get it checked out. Now, Maya, what are some of the other possible causes? You mentioned asthma earlier. What other things could people have if they thought, oh, no, I have COPD? It might be something else, though. What are some of the other possibilities that you see for the patients in your clinic?
2: Yeah, well... Asthma is one, um, certainly because of the overlap in the symptoms of the coughing, shortness of breath, and, and, and the wheezing, but it could also be um, cardiac-related, so heart-related. Sometimes patients actually have um, heart failure, that uh, they're having excess fluid, building up in their uh, uh, heart and lungs, um, and it causes similar symptoms of shortness of breath, cough, and wheeze, so we make sure that we, you know, uh, rule that out. Um,
0: so asthma and then heart failure, two really important things to take a look at. And there's other tests that you can do. I think you mentioned earlier if someone were doing a lung test, they might be given an inhaler to see if that helps them. And if it does, maybe we'd be looking more asthma. And if it doesn't, it might be more along the COPD lines. And then heart failure, there's other tests you would do for that.
2: Yes, So we would do an ultrasound, but also get a history of the patient, Um, sometimes if they have other conditions like a a stroke, high blood pressure, you know, other things that we look at where we think, okay, is it lungs or is it the heart? And sometimes it's both. Um, So not only do we get the spirometry, um, but but oftentimes we'll also get chest imaging. Um, that'll give us a little bit more information. Um, usually start off with a chest X-ray, uh, and if needed, um, go to, like, a CT scan of the chest.
0: So you mentioned history. What might be some of the things in history that would trigger for you that there could be a concern?
2: Well, number one, tobacco use. So we always ask, you know, were they a smoker um, and or have they been a smoker in the past? Sometimes we'll ask, oh, do you smoke? They'll say, no. Nope. <laughs> But turns out, oh, yes, they used to smoke, you know, one pack a day for 20 years, but they quit, you know, only five years ago or so. Um, and then we also ask about any family history of COPD um, or any lung conditions, because there is a type of COPD that is genetic called alpha-1 antitrypsin uh, deficiency. Um, and then we'll also ask about lung cancer history in the family, because, um, you know, there is correlation um, COPD with
0: lung cancer. All right I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come back we're going to continue our discussion with Maya Alba, nurse practitioner at Straub Lung Center and Valerie Chang of the Hawaii COPD Coalition and we're going to discuss some more about what are some of the different treatment options that are available and when if at all might someone know if they need oxygen. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I have Valerie Chang from the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and Maya Alba. She is a nurse practitioner in the Straub Lung Center, and we're talking today about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, otherwise known as COPD, which is a condition that can cause some problems with people releasing air in their lungs. Sometimes it's called air trapping, and it really doesn't feel that good when you have it. Some of the symptoms could be just feeling like you're out of breath too soon, or you just can't get enough air. And sometimes you're wheezing and other sorts of symptoms like a cough. If you have a history, a a very strong history of smoking, it's something that you are at risk for, even if you quit in the past. So it can affect your lifetime truly and your lung function. And there are some easy tests you can do to figure out if you have this, and then treatment can be started. Now, Valerie, I'm curious, because You were diagnosed with this condition, and you were fairly young at the time, and it was kind of surprising because you didn't really have any history of smoking, and you didn't really have any of the traditional risk factors. But as you look back on this over the last 20-some years, do you feel as though your symptoms have gotten worse and progressed, or have you reached a point now where you're fairly stable with your medications? It's
1: actually been stable for quite a while, which shocked my doctors because they thought I needed a lung transplant a long time ago when I was first diagnosed. So we're pretty happy about that. It has, unfortunately, progressed a little in that now I need supplemental oxygen for sleep and for exercise, if I strenuously exercise, and for altitude, like when I fly and when I'm anywhere above 3,500 feet. But otherwise, I feel I've been very fortunate. Um, And I've worked closely with my medical team to stay as healthy as possible.
0: Well, and I know you've tried hard and tried to do your best to do your part to make sure that you're able to breathe as well as you can, even though, like you mentioned, you now require oxygen periodically. Now, Maya, what are some of the other treatments that are available for COPD? So if you saw someone in your clinic and you made a diagnosis of this, what are some of the options or the initial treatments that might be considered?
2: Uh, Well, usually initial treatment is um, just a basic short-acting, what we call bronchodilator, um, something that's very common to people hearing an albuterol inhaler, like a rescue inhaler. Um, That's usually the first treatment option. Um, If a patient's using it um, as a rescue because of their shortness of breath or wheezing two to three times a week, um, we usually step it up and, and put them on a maintenance inhaler. Um, but if a, a patient is coming to us and they're already having breathing issues for a while, most likely their uh, primary care provider already started them on various inhalers. Um, so there's are just um, different types of inhalers that we start putting patients on that escalate in strength and dosage. Um, and then sometimes we actually start them on um, oral medications as well to help.
0: So you mentioned that someone might be on albuterol. That's a common inhaler people may have heard about. Now, there's also other, you said, different doses and strengths of other inhalers. So sometimes people wind up taking a combination of inhalers, and steroids are one of the medicines in that combination. Then there's other ones that are what we call anticholinergics. Those are medicines that try and get rid of extra mucus and help delay the the progression of this condition. And sometimes there's that long-acting albuterol ingredient as well. Over the last couple of years, some of the smart groups that are out there making medications Put all three of those in one inhaler, didn't they?
2: Yes, there's a, a couple uh, branded medications that have all three ingredients in there. Um, but it's important to have patients know that sometimes when they're diagnosed with COPD uh, and they don't have any overlap in a- overlap in asthma or have what we call COPD exacerbations, they might not even need that inhaled um, corticosteroid portion. Um, so it's important to bring up to, you know, a patient with their primary care provider or whoever their medical provider is about, is this the right inhalers for me? Because sometimes if a patient's really stable for a while, uh, we could, um, you know, get rid of one of the ingredient or if we need to increase it so... Um, sometimes it's an ongoing effort to control their uh, medications or if they're able to get off of some of the medications.
0: And what would be the advantage of getting off of some of the medicines? Is that to sort of reserve the ability to use that one later?
2: Yes, but also there are some, like, uh, potential side effects. Like with the inhaled corticosteroids, patients are more risk of having, like, a fungal infection in their mouth called thrush. Uh, or sometimes a patient is just too, overdosing on their medications too much and it may cause um, potential cardiac side effects like palpitations or Um, uh, the anticholinergic that you mentioned, sometimes it causes dry mouth. Or for uh, men or women, sometimes too much of it could cause um, urinary retention when they don't pee adequately or, um, you know, they they, they end up peeing too much (laughs) in the middle of the night. So there's other symptoms, you know, that we try to monitor for.
1: Yeah, or you can also get dry eyes and you can get cavities from the dry mouth. Oh,
0: so a lot oh, of reasons that you America. may want to stop those. Got it. Okay. Now, Val, you seemed happy that recently you've stabilized enough that you haven't needed the same intensity of therapy because your lung condition appears to be doing quite well. Uh, do you feel as though stopping some of those medicines, did you feel any different, or did you? were you looking to just feel the same and not have any problems?
1: I was trying to just take the minimal n- amount of each of my medicines while keeping stable. And that's what I've been able to do. And we're very happy because the side effects have greatly lessened. And that's, to me, the best possible of all possible worlds, if you have the most benefit with the fewest side effects.
0: That sounds like a good plan to me. Now, Maya, when you're talking with folks about COPD, are there other conditions that they can often have at the same time that could be affected by having this lung problem?
2: Uh, Yes. So there's a lot of comorbidities that we see with patients with COPD. Um, I had kind of alluded it. To it a little earlier about cardiovascular disease. Um, so, oftentimes, you know, not only heart failure, but um, high blood pressure, um, and also screening patients for lung cancer. Um, sleep apnea is another great one. So, Val had mentioned, you know, difficulty breathing or a low oxygen level at night. You know, if she was my patient, I would say, Oh, have we done a sleep study to make sure you don't have uh, sleep apnea? Um, And, of course, with some of the medications, sometimes patients with COPD who have uh, recurrent what we call exacerbations, they're put on oral steroids like prednisone. So we really monitor for, like, diabetes and osteoporosis.
0: Well, it sounds like there's a lot of those side effects that we need to consider that, you know, are reasons why people may want to make sure that they get on the right medicine take it the way they need to and also find ways to handle their condition while potentially having some other medical problems at the same time. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about some other unique attributes of COPD and ways in which pulmonary rehabilitation can help. We'll be right back. welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. I have Valerie Chang on the line. She's the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition. And I also have Maya Alba. She is a nurse practitioner at Straub's Lung Center. And we're talking about this chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And right before the break, we're talking about the potential side effects of inhalers, but also some other conditions that can occur at the same time, either related to or distinct from, but affecting COPD and the lungs. Now, I'm curious, Maya, you mentioned that there are some of these other conditions that could be happening at the same time. So it kind of gets back to the idea that, boy, if you can find the most effective medication at the lowest dose to keep someone healthy, you can minimize side effects and potentially help them to breathe better. It sounds like that's the goal every time you see patients in your office to try and make sure that you can help maximize how well they feel and allow them to continue to go out, get exercise, do other things, but not feel sick. Is that right?
2: Yes, absolutely. So I'm always, um, whenever a patient comes in, we always review um, what medications on the, they're on currently, if any other provider added any medications, um, or if they went to urgent care and, and didn't let us know, or the ER and had to have, you know, uh, prednisone prescribed or antibiotic. Um, so we're always looking to see, okay, what is your medicine now? Is it appropriate, appropriate for you at this time?
0: Well, and that's why people need to come in for periodic reassessments because that's when you go over that list and, and help them figure out, is the treatment plan they have right now working best for them? So if somebody says, oh, they gave me inhalers and I'm fine, I don't feel any trouble, I don't have to go in, no, there's reasons why they may want to revisit you.
2: Absolutely. Uh, And sometimes um, it turns out they're doing fine because they're using their albuterol three, four times a day, (laughs) which is too much. (laughs) So then we say, okay, something needs to be done. You need more. You, You can't be living off of your albuterol that much on a daily basis.
0: Sure, because for someone to need that, it means their symptoms aren't very well controlled, and finding another way for them to be better so they don't have to undergo that struggle for breathing is probably a better way to go about it.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Now, Valerie, I'm curious because you've had to use inhalers over the years, what do you think is the hardest part about using them? Because a lot of times, you know, as as Maya just mentioned, you could be using albuterol two or three times a day and you know, I often wonder, does that mean that you really need it that much, or maybe might you not be using it correctly? Do you think, having been someone who's unfortunately needed to use inhalers for the last 20-some years, do you think it's difficult? Are there some tricks you've learned?
1: Yeah. um, Actually, the problem is they've done a lot of studies that have shown more than half the people that take inhalers are using them incorrectly. And so they're not really getting the full benefit of their inhalers. And that's why there is this app on the, um, both the Google Store and the Apple Store that's free that's called the COPD Pocket Guide from the COPD Foundation. And on it, there's free videos on how to use all the different inhalers. And I think that it's really invaluable to review that periodically to just make sure you're doing it right. And you can even take your inhaler to the pharmacy and demonstrate and say, am I doing this right? And they'll say yes or no or take it to your doctor at your next visit and say, Maya, am I doing this right? (laughs)
2: Yeah, and if they're not, I would say, oh, well, maybe we need something called a spacer, Um, and it usually attaches to the inhaler, so um, there's a one-way valve, so when you do your pumps of your inhaler, um, it won't go anywhere (laughs) unless you inhale it, because sometimes patients will use their inhaler, and they don't get a good seal around their mouth, and the medication just goes right outside. (laughs)
0: So, do you ask yeah, I, some of your patients to demonstrate their inhaler use, Maya?
2: Yes, and what's nice is we have um demonstrator uh, demo inhalers um at the office too. So, um just in case they already took their inhaler and we don't want, you know, them to have a, a, a dose too soon. Uh we have sample uh medication um demonstration inhalers here of all various types of actually of all the ones that are available out there. So, we'll show we'll I'll give them one and I say, "Okay, show me how you use it." I I won't prompt them in any other way um, because sometimes when I do that, they'll not use it correctly (laughs) or reminding them too about um, some of the steroid inhalers, rinsing your mouth after you use it to avoid that uh, potential fungal infection in the back of the throat.
0: Sure. If you can avoid having a complication and still get the maximum benefit of your inhaler, that sounds like it's a Fantastic plan. Now, there's a lot of folks out there who may already know they have COPD or who may want to know more about this condition. And one of the things, Valerie, that the Hawaii COPD Coalition has put on every year for, I think, 15 years so far is the Education Day. This is going to be the 16th Annual Education Day. Tell us a little more about it.
1: Yeah, it's coming up on Friday, September 9th from 9.30 until noon, and because we still are very vulnerable as COPD patients, we're having it be virtual on Zoom, and that way anyone from all over the world can participate if they would like to, and it's free and open to the public, and they can go to hawaiicopd.org. The first article on the website has information, and you can click on Learn More, and it has the flyer and all the information anyone needs on how to register. And once you register, you get the Zoom link, and you're ready to go.
0: Well, and some of the topics, Maya, you're going to be one of the speakers. Is that right?
2: Yes. I'm going to be doing um, a talk on coexisting conditions with COPD. Um, As I had mentioned in uh, the talk earlier today, you know, talking about um, uh, patients with COPD, talking to their physician or primary care provider about hey, um, I have COPD, but maybe do I have something else like lung cancer? Should I get screening for, you know, for lung cancer since I'm a smoker? So just, you know, addressing certain topics very quickly um, just for patients to have a sense of, okay, I want to be healthy, I have COPD, but is there something else um, that I have that needs to be addressed to make sure that my COPD is uh, properly, you know, treated and addressed?
0: excellent information. And there's also going to be a discussion on sleep apnea because, Val, that's one of the conditions that you might have thought you had before you got diagnosed when you woke up and you just felt like you couldn't get your breath. There's a couple of other talks that are going to be happening on that day. What else is going on, Val?
1: There's going to also be um, Sherry Himizu-Saito of the Straub Lung Center talking about COPD introduction and update. And there's also going to be a virtual pulmonary rehabilitation speaker. Um, He's a pulmonologist um, on the mainland, but he does virtual pulmonary rehabilitation with Hawaii patients. And there's also going to be the respiratory therapy students going over proper technique for using all the different COPD treatments.
0: That's going to be and then invaluable. And you and
1: I are going to do Q&A.
0: <laughs> we will Q&A, absolutely. But I think, honestly, you know, from when I was in school, which was shockingly a long time ago, there's all different types of inhalers these days. There's disc inhalers. There's twist inhalers. There's this kind and that kind. And so, you know, I think some of the things that I might have learned way back when might need to be updated. And this is a great opportunity for people to learn a little bit about what are these new inhalers and hear from some experts about what else they could do. Now, remind me, Val, how would people find out about this conference, and if they need more information, where do they go?
1: They can go to our website, hawaiicopd.org, and the top article on our website is about this ed day, and then they can just click on the Read More link, and then there's even a downloadable flyer, reviewing all the information we just stated as well as a place to sign up.
0: Fantastic. Well, I want to thank Valerie Chang, head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and Maya Alba, nurse practitioner at the Straub Lung Center, for sharing your expertise with us today here on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and we'll see you next week when we talk more about health topics right here on The Body Show. See you then.